1: Hello and welcome back to New Books in Hindu Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. Today I get to speak with Dr. Sri Padma, who is a visiting professor at the University of Chicago um, and also affiliated with Bowdoin College. We're talking about an interesting publication of hers on the goddess. It's called Vicissitudes of the Goddess, Reconstructions of the Gramadevata in India's religious traditions. Uh, Sri, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So, what's your book about? Your book is about Gramadevatas. Uh, maybe say a tiny word on what a Gramadevata is and, and the, the central thrust of your book.
0: Okay. What is Gramadevata? Gramadevata, <laughs> Gramadevata is basically the translation of that is um, Goddess of a, a village, any village. So, um, Gramadevata basically is worshipped. Directly by devotees um, without uh, any Brahmin priestly mediation um, and therefore without elaborate liturgical Sanskrit recitations. I'm saying this because usually people imagine Hindu temple, and when you go into uh, the temple, they usually have Brahmin priest mediating. Whereas in uh, um, the worship of Gramadevata in these villages, you would not find uh, a priestly mediation. Usually, the goddess is uh, um, addressed in uh, the local vernacular uh, with an uh, accent on familial terminology. Um, so, most frequently, she is known uh, in familial terms. Uh, such as mother or elder sister, or at times she's also addressed with the respectful and formal term, madam. In the instance of her transition into a Brahmanic deity, a Gramadevata might acquire the Sanskrit suffix that is Amba or Ambika or Devi. You know, all these are, um, you know, goddess or mother in respectful forms. The priests and priestesses of uh, the Gramadevata are mostly from non Brahmanic castes and um, play a major cultic role only at the time of uh, special festivals. So, these characteristics are usually typical, um, although in uh, fast changing contemporary mantra um, or even um, in larger Indian society, exceptions are um, quite common.
1: And so what does your book argue about Grama Devatas?
0: Okay, so I probably would, um, as a way to respond to your question, um, I will state four major um, takeaways that address uh, some major misconceptions about fertility goddess. Um, So I will take it from there. Uh, And you can ask me if uh, um, that isn't answering the question. Uh, First, even if it is agreed that many agricultural societies, including uh, India's, venerated fertility goddesses for centuries. Given the popular orientation of the cult, the general scholarly understanding is that it is impossible to establish a coherent history about them. This book challenges this notion by tracing various transformations of fertility cult over millenniums. Secondly, the widespread understanding among scholarly circles is that the goddess is essentially a divine feminine. Through illustrations of art forms of various periods, this book expands the conception of goddess, directing reader to various manifestations of the goddess that include nature in its many aspects. A third misconception is India's emergent major religions have very little in common with the fertility goddess traditions. In this book, I make a case that fertility garden stations not only are inextricably intertwined with these Indic religions but the goddess traditions enriched these religious traditions by providing them with an artistic vocabulary, a mythic imagination and an opportunity to develop a rapport with the general village social and cultural milieu. One final but equally important takeaway from this book is The integral connection between the village goddess and human woman presenting case studies of actual women of uh, different ages who have been deified, I discuss in this book the ways female power is understood and processed and its ramifications on gender relations in Indian society.
1: So let's engage maybe the first of those. you talk about the, 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 the antiquity or the, 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 these sort of ancient, um, you, know, w- you know, while you admit that one can't trace uh, a, a coherent historical trajectory, you do trace these Gramadevatas back to very ancient times. Why don't you tell our listeners about that?
0: Yeah, um, I think I um, will start with an example. So I have traced the village origins for goddesses famous for their Brahmanic affiliations in um, United Andhra Pradesh, uh, such as Kanaka Durga of Vijayawada, Bhadrakali of Warangal, and Mahankali of Secunderabad. A close look at the background of Kanaka Durga through the study of inscriptions and uh, iconograph forms displays an interesting mixture of uh, various cults and historical transitions. A fertility goddess in the agricultural and household contexts was worshipped in her naked form. When the goddess was seen as the bringer and curer of diseases, or as a battle queen by rulers who adopted her as their guardian deity, she manifested ferocious forms and served the common people and the rulers in her respective attributes. The cults of two deified women were also major into the cult of Kanaka Durga. From time to time, the goddess also incorporated aspects of the ferocious tribal cults, such as Durga, as illustrated in my book and yet managed to retain relative independence even after becoming Brahmanic, in which context she is shown in pleasing countenance as the wife of Siva. Somewhat similar history is shared by the goddess Bhadrakadi of Oranga, a mixture of many goddess cults of Brahma Devata and royal guardian deity from the 7th century. The ferocious form of Bhadrakadi's stone image is softened by many measures, including breaking her protruding tongue before ceremoniously reinstalling it. Portraying pleasing forms of the Gramadevata can be attributed to the success of medical science in preventing communicable diseases for humans and domestic animals. Unlike in these two cases, the goddess Mahankali in Sikandrabad does not possess any history of royal patronage. Neither this goddess was originally a local Gramadevata, but her cultic history traces the transition from Gramadevata to Brahmanic goddess. According to the temple lore, the cult was introduced a couple of centuries ago by a devotee of famous goddess Mahankali of Ujjaini in the former state of Madhya Pradesh. The goddess became so popular that a century or later or so, um, funds were raised to build a temple and install a newly made stone image with Vedic rituals by Brahmin priests. As I have explained in my book, there uh, there were many tribal cults in history that measured with the uh, Gramadevata cults as a uh, part of assimilation of uh, various tribal people with the uh, mainstream village society at various points in time. Some of these entered the Brahm, Hindu Brahmanical mainstream to become conflated with the uh, Popular goddesses such as Durga and Kali, who themselves went through the same process. For example, for the last half century or so, tribal goddesses Samakka and Sarakka in Western Antra, which is now part of newly formed Telangana state, have started to attract large Hindu populations. The Koyas are a hill tribe who traditionally live in the forest in Warangal district, which is now a tiger reserve. And who perform annual festivals to these goddesses following tribal rites. The popularity of this annual festival among Hindu devotees increased to such an extent that since 2010, The state government has been involved in bringing offerings to the goddess. The Hindu devotees not only brought many Brahmanic elements to the ritual, but started setting up the images of the goddesses in temples in other regions of Telangana to celebrate annual festivals. It is possible that this cult, like some tribal cults, will eventually merge as an extension of a Brahmanic cult. In fact, songs videos and a new tollywood ta- film have been made for the consumption of hindu devotees who want to identify Samakaya as sekti the preeminent goddess who rules the whole world she's also of course Identified as Siva's wife and Vishnu's sister. The images distributed as Samaka also reflect an unk- uncanny resemblance to the great goddess Durga. In this imagery, Samaka is riding a tiger and Saraka a stag.
1: So you link uh, modern Gramadevatas to the Indus Valley context, do you not?
0: Yes, um, I do. Um, in looking at symbols um, and tracing the um, symbols that how some of these symbols have been uh, in use even um, in the contemporary you know, rituals to the Garamadevata. I didn't mean to start um, from Indus Valley and um, try to force um, that connection to the Gramadevata. But as I've been examining, tracing, um, the contemporary mythology, um, the um, rituals, the symbolism, um, and going through inscriptions, what we can learn and whether um, the form of Gramadevata worship existed in uh, um, early times. Um, and that brought me to the earliest period, prehistoric period in Andhra Pradesh. Where I examined, um, I came across these symbols uh, in burials um, in uh, of fourth uh, century before common era, and those like symbols like swastika um, and Sri um, all these symbols of uh, the goddess um, are also seen. I realized in uh, Indus valley, valley seals and ceilings. Um, that's how I am yeah, interested in um, these uh, symbols and their connections and uh, um, so uh, and then in between Indus Valley period and fourth century before common era, you know, this, uh, this post-Indus Valley uh, times what happened and how these uh, symbols turn into kind of naked goddess. Um, and the evolution can be seen uh, in uh, pictographic form, either sculptural representations or um, representations uh, in uh, coins. Um, then I trace that evolution. Um, for example, I take uh, a part symbol, for you know, part represents the womb of the goddess. So how this part is still in worship, you know, parts uh, play an important role. Women carry parts full of water uh, or parts with food on their heads to in goddess rituals in procession uh, to bring them uh, to the goddess and they also act as representations. And on these parts, they also um, paint these symbols, swastika, Srivatsa, etc. Um, so, this part is um, worshipped in part shape in the beginning, but then even in the Indus Valley period, you see, and the part has legs um, and uh, showing um, those parts in uh, three different representations. So you can see they also have face. Uh, ne, you know, part has a neck, natural neck, but over that neck, the neck is depicted as a face. In indo and that happened again um, in uh, early medieval times. In Andhra Pradesh, you see sculptural representations. So slowly, the part uh, takes this uh, anthropomorphic shape of um, the goddess. Um, so um, and uh, almost towards the end, the head is the only. Um, one that's not represented in these evolution, but Hades was replaced by a lotus. um, And before it became completely a naked goddess. Even when she is represented as a naked goddess, like giving birth to a child, um, you know, with flexed legs, uh, still her head is like a lotus. Uh, And in seventh century, many of these images, uh, stone images, Uh, were in worship and there are inscriptions proving that. And some of these images, in fact, are um, worshiped even now, which means the worship is continued without any broken line, Um, like in Karnataka, uh, there are many uh, instances.
1: You know, one of, um, it might be useful if you talk about these categories of Gramadevata uh, versus popular goddess versus fertility goddess and and how do you how you use them in the book, uh, how they relate to each other in the history of, of Indian religion you know tell us about these categories
0: Grama Devata, um, there is a sometimes you cannot separate gramadevata from a fertility goddess that gramadevata actually is fertility goddess. Um, with a few exceptions, I would say. Um, I think by describing the characteristics of Gramadevata, you will understand the connection between fertility cult and Gramadevata, I guess. Um, so, various symbols used to represent the fertility goddess, what are the Gramadevata? So, I use it as a synonymous fertility goddess and Gramadevata. But the way I use it fertility goddess, the term terminology is. Um, that fertility goddess in pre-modern uh, times, because there was an argument, oh, Grandma Devata did not have any history. So I said to prove, yes, there was history. So what was she called? Was she called as Grandma Devata? And who was she? So, and I have all these symbols that I was explaining And this uh, shows the fertility aspect of this goddess. So I termed that fertility goddess um, that in contemporary times we ca- call Gramadevata. Uh, so otherwise, um, the Gramadevata present who is fertility goddess, but we call fertility goddess in the past, that's for my use in my book. Um, but the various symbols used to represent the fertility go- goddess um, still articulated by aspects of her current mythology reveal that the nature of the Gramadevata has been complex from the time of its known origin. Origins, uh, possibly, as I said, as early as uh, in Indo civilization. Moreover, the fact that um, the goddess seems consistently to have been conceived in paradoxical ways has produced a multi-purpose and adaptive cult. For example, because the Gramadivata has been understood essentially as a shapeless and even genderless procreative force. Her imagined forms reflect propensity to assume a presence in virtually any inanimate or animate beings that conform to a logic of association with her power. As such, the Gramadevata has often been imagined as a human female figure, giving birth to nature, as a mother who bears the universe in her womb. In this sense, she is a creation as well as creator. She is also seen as capable of destroying what she creates. What is new in my study is that the symbols, images, and mythology of the instant fertility goddess correlate with the contemporary understandings of the Grama Devata as a creator, nurturer, and destroyer. She may be worshiped as the, the body of the village with her navel stone planted in the center of the village or kept at a safe distance at the edge of the village. In the former instance, she brings fertility and uh, prosperity to the villagers by bringing timely rains if worshipped properly in the later she is a goddess of poxes or other forms of illnesses afflicting humans domestic animals birds and crafts who needs to be appeased so that she will stay away whether she is a loving mother or a wrathful cow punishing villagers for their missteps The Gramadevata remains an integral feature of village identity.
1: And how does this fit into this, um, what you call the popular goddess or this sort of uh, brahmanical uh, appropriation of these goddesses? Are they ultimately separate? I mean, you make an interesting argument in terms of how they relate.
0: Yes, Um, they are separate, but they also evolved into Brahmanical goddesses. They still remain separate, most of them, uh, but um, some of them became Brahmanical goddesses. Uh, Like I was talking about naked goddess, um, how the naked goddess evolved into. Lashmi um, by Vaishnavites, how she was uh, um, integrated as a goddess who is I mean in the beginning you have Lashmi figures naked Lashmi standing with uh, um elephants flanked by two elephants pouring water on her um, and this was early centuries, first century actually before Common Era, sorry. And um, uh, and then uh, even in Andhra we have um, these uh, goddess uh, in the beginning trying to mediate between Seivites and Vaishnavites when they had trouble with each other. And then um, the goddess also is b- being transitioned, Vaishnavas were adopting her as the figure of um, like, um, you know, decorating like Vishnu's chest as Srivatsa, a symbol. That symbol was adopted um, by Vaishnavas and then Lashmi in, an, in her anthropomorphic form still stays uh, in his chest. Sometimes you can see uh, just the Srivatsa mark. Um, But anyway, so she becomes Lashmi uh, and in Vaishnavaish imagery, and uh, parvati in servite imagery. But as soon as God enters these traditions, um, she is clothed appropriately and so that it meets the standards of these traditions.
1: Is there anything else about this book that you would like to share in terms of its main takeaways?
0: I think I have mentioned on the major takeaways uh, to begin with, I guess. Yes, in the beginning, this is, as I said, in one of uh, the first takeaways, uh, there was this assumption, uh, which I said to to, um, challenge. And it was challenging to me as well um, when I start working. And I wasn't sure how much um, I will um, be successful in this uh, attempt. Uh, so, but at the end, it was uh, worthwhile in, uh, at many levels actually, um, in the sense that these, uh, various not only, it, it came as a surprise to me when I was rebuilding the history of goddess, and I came to realize that how uh, the goddess not only predated with all these uh, traditions, but came to influence these um, Indic religions, um, such as Jainism, Buddhism, um, what we call Hinduism, the Vaishnavite Saiwai orientations. all these religions, uh, you know, that God is influenced in many positive ways, you know, providing all these, uh, you know, uh, imagery, vocabulary to these religions. So that itself is a revelation even uh, to me as I, you know, I didn't realize. And two things I didn't realize. One is the connection all the way can go back to in those times. Uh, because a lot of times you know, still a lot of scholars or we are not sure a lot of aspects that continued what we see in Indus times uh, into later periods so uh, so we have to be uh, really uh, careful about um, trying to trace it to Indus period and that uh, not really proving the continuation, but in this sense, I see this clear continuity. Um, that um, you know started in, in those times. And that's one revelation. the second revelation is I didn't have any idea that God played uh, a crucial role in uh, the development of these Indic religions, uh, especially Jainism and Buddhism you see as ascetic religions and uh, you would think um, very little that um, connection with the goddess traditions. So so those two are um, really um, uh, surprising elements even to me when I was you know doing research. So I hope the readers also find that um, as um, uh, a revelation.:
1: Let's do a, a tiny thought experiment if you'd like. let's Let's assume that you were charged with creating a course about um, uh, the goddess or um, say shaktism or the uh, india 's feminine divine, shall we say let's just say you 're creating a course whether it 's or, or a lecture series right and and your job is to present uh, india 's feminine divine to an audience, whether undergrads or continuing studies i 'm curious as to how you would organize it uh, like like for myself, I would have a unit probably on Vedic goddesses uh, mm-hmm. alga goddesses. Uh, I may have a unit on Tantra, I may have a unit on what I consider village goddesses or Grama Devatas, or popular goddesses. You know, it seems to me that, well, let me not beg the question, how would you organize a course on presenting uh, India's goddess tradition, what do you think?
0: Um, actually, um, I came to Harvard uh, University um, as a a research associate and visiting lecturer um, and uh, the course i taught there was um, images of a feminine um, uh, actually the basic question in that course was like um, I guess it's very traditional it became traditional I guess why um, the goddesses um, are elevated in Indian um, society or in Hindu society and while the woman at least assumed are you know I guess it, to a large extent it is true in all cultures um, you know subordinated so that was the question I was exploring. Um, so looking at, um, you know, these uh, goddesses, various goddesses and they, um, you know, as uh, um, feminists in, this, uh, in the West uh, are so fascinated by the goddess Kali, who is a very powerful image. And then you have women um, woman in a subordinated position. Naturally, that question uh, crosses everybody's mind. So, um, so I taught that course um, and it was um, really, um, really fun and, you know, like looking at um, uh, some film uh, and also looking at the early devotees like Andal, you know, these saints uh, and these, these goddesses um, and, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, um, but um, that particular course, I, I taught many iterations of it. Um, the last time I taught was last year at the University of Chicago. And uh, I used my book as a theme this last time. Uh, and then arranged other um, uh, readings to go with that theme because my book um, not only talks about the history of uh, goddess symbols um, and also case studies of um, and mythology of various goddesses, village goddesses and case studies of the transition of these goddesses from village to urban setting or um, Sanskritized goddesses, how they enter these um, Indic traditions, big Indic traditions. Um, but also I look at the deified woman uh, of different ages, how Sometimes these deified women match um, with the Gramadevata or village goddess cult, uh, or sometimes uh, stand out for themselves as um, a deified. But what uh, social issues they um, bring about and how the, you know, what, what are the reasons behind this deification, is this guilt, um, you know, so, so I'm looking at on this uh, divine feminine on the one hand and human on the other human uh, feminine, um, how she is received in the society and uh, um and, and where um you know this div- divinity in, you know our stars and where the humanity comes in play um so um so that was really very very satisfying um last year and uh, and also it made a huge difference like at harvard or um, the university of chicago you have graduate students um, so the level of discussion uh is much more um much more refined um so you get more satisfaction i guess um yeah uh I do not know whether I answered <laughs> all the question you have in mind.
1: Um, it, it, I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's always about the scenic route to draw out themes of conversation. So there is no um, <laughs> there is no finite answer to my questions. They're meant to be generative uh, rather than uh, comprehensive. So um, are you still working on the goddess? What are you working on now? Before we close, why don't you tell us what what you're working on?
0: Oh, um I think uh, this is very, very different um, research I've been doing um, in recent years. So uh, I actually am involved in two research projects right now. Unlike my other research, um, the venue for these projects is in Sri Lanka, not uh, in Andhra Pradesh, where I come from. Um, but I also spent um, so much time in Sri Lanka that it became my second or third home, whatever you call it, because America is my second home, then Sri Lanka becomes my third home, I guess. So I am, uh, directed a study abroad program for uh, 20 plus years. Uh, uh, American undergrad program in Sri Lanka, so I worked with the staff, I worked with the university that we are affiliated with in uh, in Kandy, and I set courses, and uh, um, so I um, developed a lot of relationships as well as understanding their culture and learning the language, so that brought me into Sri Lanka, and so the uh, the first research in a full pleasure research project, I should say, because I s- published another book was kind of a, a fiction and his- historical fiction is uh, uh, Fractured Bliss. But this first real full pleasure research project is um, a cultic history of Vipishna, uh, an important character in the Indian epic Ramayana. Um, So I made considerable progress on this project. Um, Unlike in India and Southeast Asia where the epic is uh, popular, in certain parts of Sri Lanka, Vifishna is worshipped as a guardian deity. Uh, So far I have published uh, a couple of papers on uh, different aspects of uh, the Vifishna cult. Uh, One of these uh, two papers uh, forms part of a special section of uh, the Journal of South Asian Studies um, which I have co-edited with the title Lankapura, the legacy of the Ramayana in Sri Lanka. So that, that's my first project. The second project is again very different. <laughs> An examination of uh, the state of uh, traditional medicine in Sri Lanka since uh, colonial times to the present. So mm-hmm. like in India, Sri Lanka has a variety of uh, traditional medicine practitioners, um, variety of traditional medicine is being practiced. So my research is focused on those practitioners whose families are in the traditional medicine mm. For generations. I have interviewed a sample of these practitioners throughout the island uh, to study the diverse medical traditions and also their complex histories. So that's what... um, I'm trying to do
1: right now. Sounds sounds interesting. Sounds fascinating. Uh, particularly the the the, the project about the Vishnu. Now they both sound fascinating. Uh, I might be slightly biased because <laughs> <laughs> any sense of narrative, but either way, I'm glad that, you're, you're, that you that you have no shortage of interests to pursue. <laughs> and so I think we've taken enough of your time for uh, one day. So uh, we will close now. Um, For those of you listening, we have been talking about uh, the the vicissitudes of the goddess, um, reconstructions of the Grammodevata in India's religious traditions. Uh, We've been talking with Dr. Sri Padma, who's a visiting professor at the University of Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Until next time, uh, stay safe. uh, Keep reading, keep listening, and keep contemplating the Hindu goddess. Take care.